0: You know we're on episode 25? Yep.
1: One more. It means we've made six months. 26 weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, just one more.
0: It's gone by fast. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost uh, half a year into it. One more week. Have you gone back and listened to our first episode? No. I haven't either. No. I wonder if if I would cringe or if I would... Yeah, oh, this is all right. It's only six months ago. I mean, I'm talking to like I mean, it's I mean years it, was de- ago. it was
1: definitely better than the Grappling Dead's first one, first few, first fifty. Yeah, first fifty. They're at what?
0: What are they at now? 110, I think, comes out this week. Sounds like they're on like episode two or three. Oh, well, we have to remember this episode. We shout out to Jamal Hill. Yes.
1: So for those of you don't know, Jamal Hill, um, he's he's a student in the association. He trains primarily out of Black Lion in Grand Rapids and. He fought his way into the UFC Contender Series, and then he fought last night, which actually was Tuesday night, right?
0: Tuesday night, yes. Tuesday
1: night. Um, he fought, and he he had a pretty easy time. I think kind of did what he wanted. You he know, he didn't get hit. He had some good hooks. He had leg kicks. He had body, tons the, of body shots. Yeah, the, the leg kick to the rib cage, man, that hurt me, and I was just watching it.
0: I know he finished the guy with strikes to the head on the ground, but what really finished him were just the body shots yeah, the over guy just and over. Couldn't
1: take it. He cracked him. <laughs> yeah, yeah he it. had the, he had a setup for Dars too. I know we've been you know developing the guillotines and Dars in our class. I'm sure they have been in their classes too. And he had it set up, and I think he kind of bailed out. Mm-hmm. And I get it. There's a ton of you know ton of writing on the line, but you know still room for growth as always. And I already sent him a message, and he said he's ready to get back in the gym and go
0: again. He looked good for that being a f- his first fight on a huge platform like that, going out to Vegas, yeah. fighting in the UFC complex. Yeah, I don't think he cares. He just comes out and does it. <laughs> I know he. I would love to see him do well for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is he has such a like outgoing and fun personality oh, yeah. that it would be fun to just see him in press conferences. Yeah, he'd be a riot. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's hard not to like him. I mean, he called out John Jones before he was in the (laughs) UFC. Did you see that? (laughs) I did see that. (laughs) That would be like us calling out the the top podcasts and going, we're coming for you. Yeah. Joe Rogan, we're coming for you. This American Life. Right. Pretty much. I mean, we are. No, we're not. (laughs) We're not. Oh, we are. Give it time. I mean, we've already got the sponsors like Nike or not. We're working on that, but we have Nintendo and... Lip smackers. Yeah, hopefully, Lululemon reaches out soon. Too Lululemon. Lululemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> I know you. I every time I see you now, I can count on at least <laughs> half of your wardrobe being Lululemon. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm avid supporter. It's the women's line too, which is always <laughs> shocks me. It is not. The I've never line. seen someone fit into such tight leggings. Yeah, before. I don't think I could fit into women's leggings <laughs> if you paid me. <laughs> hey, I'll pay you.
1: Yeah, I don't think I could fit into one of those. I think it would I think I would, it would, be like the Hulk. <laughs>
0: could we make an Instagram video of you trying to fit into a women's small pair of leggings? No, I'd have to get a lot of money for that. Maybe a bit larger. Do they have a husky? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a size for women? Oh, I have no idea.
1: No. I mean, uh, I saw an article this morning. I know it's not really relevant to the podcast, but uh, I think it was one, like, one of these major stores like... Major girls' store, like Forever 21 or something like that, like they were shipping out uh, diet bars with all the large sizes, large size <laughs> orders. And they got in huge trouble for that because they get, because like people found out that it was only select sizes they were getting those large ones. And they're still staying by that they sent it to all sizes. People just don't know. Mm. Either way, I think that's a bad call.
0: <laughs> you have to know that. Yeah, that's like. In, with the way today is and (laughs) social media is you are going especially a big place like forever 21 or whatever the story i don't know if it was was one of the big ones though right that's crazy well that's why i get all my clothes at oshkosh Bagash. that explains a lot are you familiar with oshkosh Bagash? i don't even know if they're around anymore that's it was a clothing line for i think just kids because that's when i was a little kid i had a bunch of osh Bagash stuff i don't know if adults had it maybe they did i only had the kid stuff it's a great name though right it's fun to say say it i, I don't know if i could osh kosh B'gosh. yeah no i'm gonna pass <laughs> solid pass <laughs> why i try to say so many brazilian names and sound like an idiot oh no you don't sound like an idiot you're just a work in progress yeah you're just saying that right now because you don't want to say Ashkash Bagash. <laughs> This episode, our quarter centennial episode, mm-hmm. 25. You know, everyone said we wouldn't make it here, but we did. Six months in, I know at the gym, people are saying, you guys probably won't make it to three, four, five. My grandpa would call me and say, it's garbage. You're not going to make it to seven. I'm like, I didn't even know that he listened to podcasts. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think I like your grandpa. It's kind of a- <laughs> but we're here. Yeah. We've made it, and... We're plugging along, and I, I I've, I'm having fun. I, yeah, it's been a good been a good good road so far. We're getting good feedback, and we I, should do one in Europe. We should do one in Europe. Would we do it just like a regular episode, or like a bonus? A bonus episode. Yeah. Maybe find a way to tie a European theme into it, rather yeah. than just us being like, "Hey, we're we're drunk on fatigue and." And just... It's hot. ...here to talk. It's hot. (laughs) People respond and say, that was the most aimless podcast I've ever heard from you guys. But yeah, that's not a bad idea. We can at least try, and if it's terrible, we'll just throw it away. Yeah. All right, well, today's episode, it's on something that I think everyone can relate to. It's on pacing. I think most people hear this phrase when they start jujitsu. They hear phrases like this over and over. Relax relax hey hey slow down pace yourself hey, just just relax and i'm sure everyone is thinking yeah i get what you're saying but it's hard cuz you're trying to hurt me <laughs> pacing relax what do you when you're telling that new person who is just about to throw up from exhaustion relax what are what are you trying to send them telepathically or verbally
1: <laughs> i think our school is pretty welcoming I think we're a pretty easy school to get started in. I think everybody's very supporting. We have a very healthy environment.
0: We have great gift, gift baskets for new new people. Right,
1: right. Yeah. And, um, the, and it doesn't matter how friendly we are. I think it helps some. But ultimately, when people come into a jiu-jitsu school or... or I mean, anything new that you try, you're intimidated by it. But I think when you come into a combat sports facility, right? It becomes even more intimidating. You know, am I going to get hurt? Can I hang, you know, can I win? Are these guys stronger than me? You know, what's going to happen? I've never seen anything like it. I have no idea what the training is going to be. We tend to tense up. And then instinctually when I, you know, when you get paired up and somebody's like, Hey, go grapple it's something that you may have not done and now you feel stupid because you don't know what you're doing and and you are afraid to mess up you're afraid to look silly you're afraid to get hurt you're afraid to hurt them and there's always things that happen and it just causes you to become more and more tense and more and more you know frantic and spazzy and and reactive and i think That's the reason why a lot of that comes into play. Not all people, some people know better. You know, they've wrestled forever or they've trained somewhere else and they're just, you know, spazzy because they're spazzy. But I think that's the majority of people. The thing to keep in mind is when, at least for me, I can't speak for everybody else, when I say, hey, you know, you guys need to relax or slow down or you don't need to go so hard, you don't need to go so fast, is because, you know, like I said, in my school, we pair white belts with blue belts. There's never white belts rolling with white belts. And that's because I, I know that the blue belts can ensure that the white belts don't hurt themselves or or you or, or the partner, right? If I put two white belts that don't know anything together, they're both nervous and tense and spazzy. And they're both trying to win and not lose and not get hurt and not look silly. Mm-hmm. Then it's like a... It's almost comical. It's, you know,
0: like two rams knocking head to, you know, like... It's like when you watch two puppies playing and they play hard for a while. And then before you know it, you look over and they're in the corner. <laughs> right. And they're right. like coughing. Like <laughs> yeah, I think every, when you start off, you're on... You're just running on adrenaline. And adrenaline's great for a very short period of time. And then... Once it leaves, you're just left with nothing in the tank. And you can see that look with, with new people. I know yeah. for me, when, when I started, I was coming from a wrestling background. And so I was just moving quickly and trying to just run around and outmaneuver everyone. And here I am running around their guard and all they're doing is they're on their back just slightly moving side to side blocking every path i'm trying to take and before i knew it i was just wiped and then they sweep me and that's just it's demoralizing when you're new (laughs) and the whole time it's not like they're doing this saying i got you i beat you You're, you're terrible they're going hey relax just relax. That's fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, this isn't yoga. Right. <laughs> I, it's easier to tell the person doing yoga to re, yoga to relax than the guy who's being thrown to his side and heel hooked. Well, I wasn't heel hooked my first day. You guys are a little more welcoming than, than that. <laughs> but I guess for pacing, I just I view like energy is a precious resource. Absolutely. It's like a, there's a, you have like a finite amount of it and you just have to learn how to manage it. And it's like energy, your energy is like a currency and you have to be the accountant who. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to explain. Like
1: you're trying to play a game that you don't know the rules to hell. You don't even know what the board looks like, what the field looks like. You don't know what the players are. You don't know anything. So you spaz and you overreact and you overcommit and you're burning all this extra energy. You're trying to buffer what you don't know with athleticism but you know you you just burn through it faster and and if you see like if you see the the high level black belts it's bursts it's never continuous right it's like they're not really moving too much and then there's like a short burst like a 15 second not even 15 seconds that's a long time 10 second burst And then they kind of settle into position and it's like slow 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 maybe a little bit of movement here and there and then another burst for another 10 or 15 seconds and it slowed down again and the reason for that is because they know that nobody can go you know at 100 miles an hour for five minutes straight but you could go 100 miles an hour for 15 seconds several times over as long as you take a break. And, and that the learning when to take the break and when to be active, when to be explosive, those are all things you learn over time. And every upper belt that you've ever rolled with, they want to say, hey, relax, breathe. It's mm-hmm. okay. They're, they're trying to teach you something that they've, it took them years to learn.
0: Do you think it's most important to first learn how the limits of your energy or how much you have in the in the bank or in the tank? Or is it more important to learn how to first move efficiently oh if i could pick yeah
1: move efficiently every time yeah every time because a lot of the problems you see with with you know blue belts and purple belts and brown belts even black belts is that they never really get past the whatever i don't know or whatever i'm lacking in i must buffer with um athleticism right there's a lot of that that they don't ever get past that stage some get better, but never 100% past it. And, and and to be fair, and I don't think anybody ever 100% gets past that, but the goal is to get us close to 100%, you know, so where you're not using any athleticism, you're just using technique, because that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. Technique beats strength, technique beats speed, beats size, beats all these things. So why do you need to be all
0: those things? Right. When you're starting off, do you, in order to relax, tell yourself, hold back, hold back. Do you, do you pass up things that you might think are an opportunity? Do you default to just going slower? What's the best way for someone? Now, to... now or when I was going through the ranks? Oh no, a, a new, a, per, a new person oh. coming in who's being told to pull, to try, uh, relax and not oh spend too much. Well,
1: I tell them to, to think about the movement before they move. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. You know, like, you know, as an example, like if, if somebody mounts you and you're a brand new white belt. You don't know how to get out of mount and you buck really hard and nothing good happens. So you're like, Hey, I'm going to try this again. And the the opponent behaves the same way and you got the same result. That's when I'm like, yo, relax, slow down. Think about the movement. Does it make sense? You tried the same thing twice. You got the same result twice. It was both times the result that you did not want. Oh, I don't know what to do. That's fine. But what you're doing is not it, right? Cross it off your list and then work. Try something different. See if that helps. And 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 it's often frustrating because as a white belt, you don't know anything, you mm-hmm. know? And, and somebody's like, relax, try something different. They're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> right, but, but try something different. You know, if you try the same thing and you keep getting the same result, that's insanity, right? Mm-hmm. Expecting it to be a different result.
0: So try something different. Play. Another thing I always... Have noticed that people will do when they're gassing out early or they're new to jujitsu is they are. If you feel, if, if you're rolling with them or if they're in your guard, you could probably touch any part of their body, but if you like touch their arms, you'll feel everything oh, is yeah. tense, every muscle is flexed. Right, and right. there's no reason for that. Yeah. No, and that burns so much energy. Absolutely. I know that you'll a lot of times, it, not only that, but it, it makes you more susceptible to things. You, you, you'll use the analogy of when you're rigid, it's easier to flip, flip a chair over than the beanbag. Right. And when someone's rigid that is, and they're new, that's one of the easiest times to sweep them. Right. They, they allow themselves to be swept. You think as a new person I have to be rigid because I don't want them to move me around but really they have to. You don't want them to go limp. How do you best do explain the the way that your your posture, the way your body should feel when you're um, rolling. I, I like to say like like um,
1: I like to say that you need to be stable and strong enough to have a shape, but not to be so strong and so stiff that you're typical. and that's very hard to learn. It's mm-hmm. like a relaxed kind of energy, so you sit in wrestling rooms all day. Take somebody who's been wrestling forever, tell them to, do, to shoot 20 double legs. They do it and they're not tired. You can take an equally well-trained athlete, teach them to do a double leg and tell them to do 20 double legs. They will be far more tired than the wrestler who's done that a bunch of times. It's mm-hmm. the same movement and they're in the same shape. So why is it that the wrestler is not as tired? Because the wrestler knows how much energy to put in in order to perform the move because they know that if they go above that threshold of energy, they're just wasting it. There's no value to it. Where the new person, like I said, they're shaking, they overcommit, they over, you know, they do everything above what they need to be. So they just, there's just burning energy that they don't need to. Um, another example I use a lot of is like the spoon and soup, you know? Like if you go to eat soup with a spoon, if you're relaxed, you know, you can take the soup, you know, and, and, and eat it and be fine. But if you're get the nervous energy and you hold a spoon and you're squeezing the spoon so hard that it shakes (laughs) like you're gonna spill soup everywhere right Right. but nobody does that because they've learned over the years how much energy is necessary in order to hold that spoon steady enough so nothing spills but not so strong that it shakes right and that's just that's just time you know but the earlier people are willing to accept that better Mm -hmm. you know it's just difficult did you just as the one sport that people were like, "Hey, don't be strong, don't be fast, don't be any of these things. be technical, then be strong.
0: Every other sport is like hit harder, run faster, you know, throw further. I've noticed the more technical I've gotten, the more I've learned you become more efficient, but you that efficiency just allows you to conserve so much energy you're building up your technique. And you're also building up your stamina and your technique helps you use even less of your stamina. So it's like you're doubling up. It becomes easier to roll right. the longer that to last, the longer that you're you're your energetic approach. Sometimes I think it can almost have a negative effect where you can become so efficient that you can be lazy. Oh, absolutely. I know I'm guilty of that. I know you, you, you'll call me out sometimes. Oh on yeah. that like, Andrew, do something. Right. It, I, want, I want to see you go for something. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. I, 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 I've i just been relaxing right. in, in this position too much. So it is, I guess, a double-edged sword. You have, to, right. you have to be a little careful with that. We're talking right now about like lasting longer. I think at some point I'd like to get to pacing as far as dictating the pace, mm-hmm. controlling that. Right now, if we're just talking about creating longevity, um, one of the things also I f- think that people don't pay attention to is... They're breathing yes that's when i was new that was another thing i hear a lot hey breathe breathe what do you notice with the novice who's rolling and you have to tell them to breathe well that's not just in jujitsu um,
1: that's in everything i mean if you if you go to a, a weight room and you see people lifting the newbies are holding their breath as they're moving their muscle right where the people that have been bodybuilding or body or power for a while you hear the loud breathing they breathe out when they push they breathe in when they're not when they're not using any strength mm-hmm. um yoga you see people in yoga learning to breathe and be steady in their positions versus the person who's just really shaking all over the place trying to hold still um swimming you got people that swim they have they have to incorporate you know a very rhythmic approach to breathing only certain spots we're going to breathe we're only going to take so many breaths we're going to exhale in these spots so it's not to affect their performance um in jujitsu the common reaction is to in anything is to hold your breath right and you often see white belts trying to choke or trying a submission and they hold their breath and they're squeezing so hard and they're straining so much and they're not breathing, that they start like getting really red and it's almost like they're gonna have an aneurysm. <laughs> and the person that they're choking is not as red as no, they are. No, and then like as soon as like they, and sometimes they'll let go of the submission because they're running out of air and they feel like they're they're running out of power. Because right? that, that's the that's the, the feeling, right? If you're being choked, you feel weak, like you're losing energy and power. So they start like not breathing and they're like, oh shit, like this is not working, I'm just burning my arms. And then they let go and then you hear a, <gasps> You know, and it's like, well, relax. You're not choking them. They should be the ones struggling here. Like, why are you breathing so hard?
0: Yeah. So you have to remind them to take the breaths. You have to time your breaths. And I think another aspect that's hard about breathing in jujitsu is when you become very tired in a role, you want to breathe frequently and often. And many times in jujitsu, you're in a position where it's hard to breathe because someone's smashing right. your chest down right i mean the whole point is, is to make the person that you're you know grappling against
1: as uncomfortable as possible so the person that's attacking is should be employing tactics to mess up your breathing
0: and i it's it's very easy to f- have like a panic when you're new mm-hmm. and that <laughs> that that constant big deep breath that you want if you can't get it when you have either knee on belly. That, that's one of the worst feelings when you're in Oh, yeah. Is, is a knee on belly when you can't breathe. I can't remember how many times when I started off I would tap to someone who would be in knee on belly and I couldn't breathe and they would just say, you can't tap to knee on belly. I'm like, I think I can. Absolutely. It, I can. it really feels like I am because if tapping is admitting defeat, I am admitting defeat right now in this position. <laughs> what, so how... What do you do to breathe if let's say you have a guy who is inside control and just compressing your chest it's tough in that situation so
1: so generally speaking you know so your your rib cage right um is around your major organs because it needs to protect it right your heart your 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 lungs and, and and everything else if you're flat on your back, your rib cage is designed to expand and contract that way. That's how you breathe. But, um, which means that if somebody gets on top of you and they push hard enough, you're gonna compress. I mean, your, your body's built to do that. However, if you get on your side, your rib cage is not meant to be compressed, you know, from side to side. Um, and that creates a, a much stronger frame. Don't get me wrong, it can break, any bone can break. Um, but it that support, Will allow you to breathe, which is also the reason why most people sleep on their sides. It's the most relaxed position because your your bones and your rib cage and your hips and your shoulders all support yourself, so your your midsection can relax and breathe. Mm. Little uh, random, you know, factoid. Are you a side sleeper? Me? Yeah. Actually, I, I sleep like like a upside zombie. down. <laughs> Taylor would say that. Actually, I lay I lay flat on my back and I cross my arms and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long have you been a vampire you know i started doing that because like there's certain angles that if my arm is in when i sleep it'll go numb and i can't i wake up with like these terrible pains in my hand because my arm is just numb for like hours and it's just like prickly
0: I'm sure you must be great to share a bed with because you don't have to worry about flying arms or you taking up a ton of space yeah, I don't other roll than the around. space you take up as a big human. Right, yeah, I don't roll around. I don't toss my legs. I don't, you know, I just,
1: I say one spot and I just sleep.
0: So you could sleep in a straitjacket and oh, yeah. probably be yeah, in a right. heartbeat,
1: yeah. Do you move at all when you wake up? Are you in, I'm a... in the same spot? Unless my wife, like, pushes me or shows me, I'm, I'm usually... Are pretty much the same spot.
0: <laughs> are your arms... Do you always go like left over right? Do you mix it up? No,
1: it depends on how my arms are feeling that day. Like it, like when I hurt my shoulder um, last year, I actually had to sleep with one arm behind my head because it was the only place that was comfortable. So I had one arm across my belly and one arm behind my head.
0: <laughs> it's I, so unnatural.
1: I slept so comfortable.
0: <laughs> you, you you, could sleep in a coffin. As long I as it had decent padding, you would Absolutely. be fine in there. Yes. Man. Or you could sleep in those... Small little Japanese uh, like sleeping areas you'll see at like some hotels like or a mausoleum. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like a. Ma... <laughs> you could sleep. You could rent out a mausoleum if financially, if th- things ever exactly, get tough, tough. You could yeah. check and see how much it would yeah. cost. To yeah, sleep no, in. I could. I, I don't know why. I've always been that way. Even as a kid, you'd sleep that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I don't. I never moved too much. I, it, does this come from growing up were you uh, were you sleeping in a bed with like 10 people <laughs> and you no. all had to be efficient and no were... I don't I don't know I don't know like you know grand,
1: my, the beds in my grandpa's house were very narrow they're like twins you know and, and you just never moved around too much you know you usually share a room with somebody your cousin like, uh, your mom your aunt you know whatever the case may be and you can't move too much because you're going to disturb them they're going to beat your ass life is not fun you know also, there's lots of hammocks, like true hammocks in Brazil, like not the hammocks you guys have here in America, but like a legitimate hammock.
0: You don't have to take a swipe at our hammocks. Come oh, on, I am, man.
1: I am, you know, like legitimate hammocks and in a legitimate hammock, when you lay down, it cocoons around you. So you like, you don't move. You're just like completely wrapped up. So
0: we, we've got some very stiff ones that, yeah, it's horrible that, that, that you lay garbage. down in. It's and garbage. if you're not careful, it'll flip. Yeah. Flip no, you see, the,
1: the real hammocks, like they cocoon around you so you don't fall off of it.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, I like to think if you, the reason you sleep like that is because you, there was some old Brazilian tale they would tell children about when you sleep in bed at night. If, if you move around, like some <laughs> some monster will come out of the that's, forest that's and not, eat you. That's not the case. That wasn't anything? No.
1: My head will move. I'll turn my head a lot around a lot, but my body just kind of stays in place.
0: Okay. Well, everyone, now you know, if you're ever having a uh, Croiler come over as a house guest, he can sleep in a very small bed. Yep. So kick your kid out of the race car bed. Croiler will go right in there. I don't know about that. I'm not that's that's <laughs> You do no. have certain height require uh height yeah, requirements and, and and you know, I'm pretty pretty broad-shouldered. That's true. Okay, let's transition now to dictating the pace because it can mean slowing the opponent down to like negate their speed so you have an advantage or it can mean like slowing them down so you have time to recover. When you hear of dictating the pace, what what do you think of when you hear that phrase? The way I look at it is somebody's
1: controlling the flow of the match, okay? If it's not you, it's the opponent. And the if you are controlling the flow of the match, then you should be dictating the tempo and the pace of the match in a way that benefits you when it benefits you. Example, if, if we're rolling and I'm dictating the pace, meaning you're reacting to me, you're on the defensive. Let's say I pass your guard, I get the side mount. It may have taken me two minutes, three minutes, five minutes to pass your guard. Hard work and get to side mount. I should slow down the pace while in guard. I may have been trying to like frantically pass your guard and move as fast as I can doing all these techniques. Once I get to side mount, I should slow the pace down quite a bit in order to properly enjoy side mount, meaning I should recover. I'm in a completely offensive position, very easy to maintain. There's no pressure on me while you're having to survive and defend attacks in a very inferior position where you're carrying weight and being crushed and all these other things and then from there i would then pick up the pace when i saw a submission or i figured out where i wanted to go next and your belly mount back whatever the case may be on on the defensive side that's when things get interesting right because if if somebody's dictating the the flow of the match and they're controlling that it makes it, it puts you in a situation where if you try to keep up with them, you may make a mistake that they will punish you for it. If you don't keep up with them, they may get ahead of you enough that you cannot recover. And, you know, basically you're doomed if you do, doomed if you, you know, damned if you don't. Um, and 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 that's a problem. So I think on the defensive side of things, if your opponent is controlling the, the, the flow of the fight, your job is not only to fight at your pace, a pace that benefits you, but also to find a way to change the tempo of the match. Meaning you're not only reacting to them, your your defensive measures and your controlling of the of the flow of the match should cause your opponent to also have to react to you. If
0: you're always reacting to them, your, your pace won't matter, you will lose. How do you get them to react to you? Because if you're changing the pace if you if someone says hey you need to dictate the pace here and so and you say all right i need this pace to go faster and you just start moving around well no i mean you may not be able
1: to right if you're in a defensive you might not be able to necessarily move faster but you can still dictate the pace of the match by causing a causing them to react to you so um let's say somebody's in in, in top mount You can buck really, really hard, and you can shove people off of mount, and that gets you out of mount, but not out of the bottom, and maybe it burns a ton of energy, and the guy remains on top. Or maybe you spend all the energy bucking and shoving, and they don't get off of the mount. You're going really, really fast, but your opponent is not reacting to you. Mm -hmm. They're still in control. That is very much a, a reactionary behavior. Or you say, hey... I'm mounted. I need to make sure that they don't advance so I'm not getting into trouble. And then I need to create a good enough counterattack or escape that will lead my opponent to react to it. Right? I mean, how many times have you seen... How many times you rolled with, like, let's say a white belt or a low-level blue belt and you got in an arm bar and they tried getting out of the arm bar and you just kind of look at it because it's like, it's cute. Like, they're Mm. never going to go anywhere. Mm. Right? They're still reacting to you. That's an inefficient... Um, defense system and it causes them to be unable to either slow down the, the pace enough to survive or pick up the pace enough to survive. It's just inept movement. And then how many times have you thought you had, man, I have this black belt and this perfect arm bar and they're not doing anything. And you're like, oh shit, I need to do something because they're going to get out. Right? They caused, they did
0: something to cause a reaction on you. When you're dealing with different people, let's say you have... A person who comes in and the stereotypical wrestler Uh who is going to be quick aggressive and it's easy if you don't know what you're doing for them to dictate the pace right what's a good way to slow that type of person down and make them play your game make it more technical and not trying to keep up with them
1: I mean, if, if, if let's say it's a blue belt or, or less, like close guard, close guard will work on anybody and it'll most definitely slow them down because you essentially anchor yourself to them. So they may move frantically, but it's an efficient movement. It's not causing a reaction of you. They're just moving to move and you're just, you know, long for the ride. They'll eventually get tired and you can, you can catch them then. Um, that is a, probably, probably the safest route to go.
0: What about when they, let's say they break your guard, they stand up and they're, they're working to pass. I think when I think of... That situation, lasso seems like a really lasso is
1: good, very, one. very controlling. It's a very defensive-oriented guard um, because the, again, you're anchoring yourself to the opponent. They can move all they want, but you're still attached. They can't get away from that.
0: And you, you are literally like puppeteering, being right. like the puppeteer with right. with them in those situations. That yeah, that that's a good one to fall back on. That I that I like. What about if you're trying to dictate the pace with someone who is strong slow and you want to try to keep them moving try to make them go at your pace so that you're gonna you know their tank will deplete sooner than yours so your game is to tire them out and that's what i'll do a lot of times if i have a bigger stronger person i know all right we both have if you we both have like energy levels my (laughs) talked about mana last time (laughs) yeah right now we're talking about hp uh no we're talking about stamina sorry okay yeah um if you're looking at both of these bars depleting as we roll, I know theirs is going to deplete faster. So I just have to outlast them. And if I can do things, put them in positions that make that fall even faster, great. Because it, when it gets to a certain level, it'll be my time to strike. Right. What's a good way for the fast person to do that? You can't just r- run around them because they could just sit there and watch you. You have to get them to engage somehow. It depends. It depends
1: a lot on what's the the knowledge gap between you and this big person truly if it's somebody let's say it's a brainy white belt it's a big guy comes in bring your white belt and, and here you are a blue belt almost purple belt what would you you know what what could you do just about anything that you want you can speed up the pace you can go to mount you can go to the back you can go all over the place because they can't do it there's no risk they don't know anything now, if you're fighting somebody with the same technical level as yours um, that is stronger than you, not as good of a cardio, not as fast, but stronger than you, well then it becomes a matter of getting into a position where your mobility is not affected, right? So you can continue to be fast so you're not pinned, and ensuring that every movement that your opponent does is a movement that's functionally energy you know, inefficient. Um, meaning, you know, put them on their back and when they shove you, create frames, move around when they try to mount you frame way, you know, and then shrimp out, have them chase you, make them move the way they don't want to big guys. The easiest thing to do to tire big guys out is to like, if you're a compete, like in an open weight class. Don't take them down. Just kind of run around for a second. Like two minutes on their feet, big guys are just huffing and puffing. And then you take your picking. You know? Have you ha-
0: ever had a little guy do that to you?
1: No, I, I, I didn't. I, I've done it to bigger guys than me. But I've never had a little guy do it to me because I'm pretty slow moving on my feet. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of know what I want to do. And if I can't do it, then I'm just going to watch you do something to me and react from it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did have a little guy jump on me once like, like a spider monkey. And I, I gave him credit for it. Was
0: this uh, at a competition or just yeah, rolling? Yeah, as
1: a black belt, yeah. Or at the mall? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, we started on our feet, and I grabbed the collar grip that I wanted, and he, like, did a flying armbar. And then, like, I shook him off of my arm. Hmm. Like you'd see, like, in a cartoon. I just moved my <laughs> arm up and down and shook him off.
0: And when he fell on the ground, were his eyes, like, rolling still? like No, oh. like, I
1: clock choked him, and, I, and and he didn't have time to tap.
0: And then you said, oh, you try a little buddy. Well, I told,
1: I talked to him. I was like, "Hey, man," I was like, I, "You know, I, I appreciate that. Any little guy that competes in an open weight class has my immediate respect, regardless of belt, because it's already intimidating to compete. It's even far more intimidating to go against guys that are just as good and bigger mm-hmm. than you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he came to tap me. Like he wasn't like playing it safe. He's like, "I'm not going to score a couple points and and you know ride this out. No, he came with the
0: intention of tapping me." And you just couldn't let him have it. No. So I guess sometimes Goliath wins. Sometimes Goliath (laughs) wins, yes. In dictating the pace, it seems to me like grips are an important part of that. Absolutely. Because in order for me to dictate anything i have to be tied to you i have to have some type of control
1: well that that you just nailed it you have to have control in order to dictate pace whether you want it to be fast slow somewhere in the middle if you want to switch the pace of the fight from slow to fast or fast to slow you have to have control over your opponent or their movement otherwise you can't you know there's nothing if you can't control something you can't you know make them behave the way you want them to so grips are important frame is important angles are important
0: What's more important, stamina or just a good understanding of pacing? Oh, I think a good understanding of pacing is far more valuable than good stamina. Well, you know what? That's a stupid question because I just have to think about all the purple belts or people who will come back to the gym after a while Mm -hmm. who, um, for whatever reasons, just took a long break. And they gas out or they get tired if they're going with people at their level. But anyone underneath, they still will do just fine. Yeah. And it's not that they're running a ton because a lot of times they come in and you go, oh, hey, buddy. You can like poke them. You're, like, right. You're a little soft now. But they still remember for the most part how to efficiently move around. So right. they can
1: control the opponent enough to dictate the pace of the match. Mm-hmm. The one that suits
0: them. Who is an expert pacer? Who, who's... An expert pacer? Yes. Ooh, that's I think tough. the real term is a paceman. Paceman? Paceman or pace woman.
1: Um i you know just on a sheer volume of times rolling um uh, dr howe okay yeah no he's the other black belt yeah the other black school. Belt my school yeah no he um he's older than me um dude is is a stud you know he's wrestled his whole life he's a black belt he's been training with me for uh, 15 16 years now um really knows his stuff um But obviously, there's there's a size difference. I'm you know like sixty pounds bigger than him, and um, I'm younger, you know, and and he he hangs in there, man. You know, he he rolls hard. He knows when to go hard. He knows when to slow down. So he's not burning energy doing stupid shit. And there's moments where he's like, he's like, yeah, you get to here. He's like, I don't even fight it. He's like, I can't. You know, I'm not gonna win. So I'm just gonna sit here and kind of recover my energy, and then look for an opportunity to escape.
0: Yeah, he's good at. And this is a element we kind of talked about, but knowing almost where certain getting to checkpoints where right. you can say, all right, I'll get here. Boom, I'll take a minute. Right. I'll breathe. Not only will I recover, you know, I guess there are different levels. You can get to a point where you can breathe and recover and keep them in one position while you do that. The other level is get to a point where you can breathe and recover and... And not expend any energy while you deplete their energy. Right. So you can get them in a position where maybe it's a cross face. Or maybe it's just a really intense side control where you're putting minimal effort in. Mm -hmm. And while you're taking your deep breaths, recovering, you can see them putting a ton of energy into just trying to get a couple breaths in.
1: Right. And and my grandfather said that um, in the beginning of all aggression, from the beginning of an aggressive attack um, to the end there's a moment that that there's a weakness right and he says that's what i fight for he was i fight for the moment in the weakness from from the onset of aggression and he said my job is to be if efi- energy efficient enough so that when that opportunity when that chink in the in the armor comes up when that weakness in the aggression happens i have the energy to do something meaningful with it right imagine and 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 i've been i've been flaw to this you know especially earlier on in my blue belt belt days where you have this this war I mean you're just going hard and like you finally get to a position where you should be able to tap somebody and you get your grips and there's just nothing left like you have no energy like all you have to do is just squeeze for five seconds to get a choke but you just don't have it you just don't have it right I mean it happens I mean think about like your your match with with Paul Mm -hmm. right when like you took his back at the very last, you know, 40 seconds and you had the collar grip. It just wasn't enough oomph in there to like finish it, you know? Right. And, and, and you know, the goal of Jiu Jitsu is to be energy efficient, to look for, to be safe, to be energy efficient, to see a, an opening to where you can reverse the pace or the flow of the match, and then have enough energy left over to control and submit. And, and I think most people's answers is better cardio and i think it does help absolutely it does help but i think it's also very underestimated value of proper pacing
0: right when you finish a role mm-hmm. let's say a role when you finish a competition role when you fin- finish competing with someone should you if it's just a one-off should you feel like you've given everything, or should you always feel like you have a little bit more in the tank, like a little bit of the reserves? Like, like if it's a super fight, just shoot one person mm-hmm. and done. If that, if
1: it's just one and done, you should fight as in finding a pace that benefits you at the highest amount of output possible without failure, right? If you run out of gas halfway through it, then that's, that's not good. Hmm. But you want to keep the output really, really high. Right. Now, if there's 10 more matches after that one, then you need to become far more efficient with your, you know, with, with your stamina because
0: you have 10 more fucking matches to go through. I, I'm, I still can't believe that back in the early days of MMA, they would have these tournaments where all these different guys, your uncles, all the guys competing at the time, would have three, four fights in a night. Dude, my, the
1: longest fight in history is my grandfather's, you know that? The longest uninterrupted fighting contest in history is my grandfather's. It's like three hours, like three hours and forty five minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sit in a fucking chair straight up without moving for three hours and forty five minutes. You can't.
0: No, I don't even know what <laughs> I don't even know what it would feel like to be rolling around with someone for that long because you would there are going to be points where you're both just lifelessly laying there and try but one person the other person just has enough pressure to keep you in a spot because they know you have nothing they have nothing it, it it's a di- way different type of jiu-jitsu it's it's like long game jiu-jitsu which i don't think we have anything like that today where no. you can you can like long long term strategize for a fight and say time means nothing I'm just going to be here as long as yeah, it takes. it doesn't
1: exist anymore. There are some tournaments that are submission only where there's no time, no points. But usually what you see in those matches is people are so afraid of the long fights that they rather go balls to the wall for 10 minutes and either get to tap and win or get tapped and lose. But definitely they don't want to go half hour, 45 minute matches because they may have three or four more of those.
0: Do the ones, when I've seen that before, where it's a uh, submission only, is there still a like a time limit like submission only it depends,
1: but it depends on the on the setup sometimes there's times and then it goes into like an overtime like in ebi they have um, overtime rules sometimes it's a referee's decision um my cousin rose for a while she did double dq so in 20 minutes if you don't submit each other it's double dq you're both disqualified it doesn't matter if it's a final match hmm. you're both disqualified um, so it, it depends on on the setup. Most of the time, anymore because of the popularity with ABI, they do an overtime, you know, rule set of some sort.
0: It definitely changes the way that jujitsu develops when you when you have things that may be most reliable if you have a long time to set them up. Absolutely, and so 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 the long burn things just kind of start to fall out. Of favor, and it's not because they're not good or effective, it's just because you can't necessarily do them in that short period. So, of time.
1: there is a documentary on Lel Vieira that's worth watching. On what? Lel Vieira. He's the the leader for Checkmat. Um, uh, his nickname is like Lel Zine, like Little L. Um, he, one, was one of the most entertaining fighters you could ever watch. Gi no Guy, no matter. Guy was fun to watch. He did all sorts of. I mean, he did not care. He just chained stuff together. It was beautiful. But um, he. Uh, in, in one of the Abu Dhabi competition, one of the ADCC competitions did early on, uh, 2001 or three or five, one of those, um, he, uh, he he tore his ankle like three or four weeks out. And the documentary kind of follows, you know, they're interviewing him. It was a huge deal back then, like you got like press conferences and stuff. And uh, the doctor essentially told him like, yeah, like, you're not the doctor said essentially, like, you're not competing. Like, you, you cannot compete. You can't even put weight on that leg for at least another six to eight weeks. And he's like, well, I gotta compete in three. <laughs> the doctor's like, you're not doing it. Well, again, back then they had to do press conferences. You had to do, like, interviews. It was this big thing, because the, the shakes were paying for it. And he, uh, he, put, a, he put a, he would wear a brace at all times, except when there's a press conference or an interview. He would take the brace off and he would pretend there's no pain he'd come out with a straight face not limping do a great interview and go back out and you know granted he's a brilliant fighter and a great tactician but you're fighting at ECC with these legends of jujitsu and who are all equally good mm-hmm. and he won that year wow yeah he played a very smart game anybody that he thought he could tap quickly that was beneath his level he tapped within regulation time and then anything because in regulation time back then back then I think it was like 20 minutes 10 minutes or 20 minutes no points and then past that it was like another 10 minutes with points I think that's how they did. so these long matches 20-30 minute matches and so if he grappled somebody that he's like oh I can tap this guy he would go as hard as he could without compromising his ankle and get a quick tap and then anybody that was good tough he would drag that match out forever until it got to the point part and then he would score a couple points and hold, you know. But he had to save energy because if he knew, hey, this guy's really, really tough. I have a half an hour match in front of me. I have to make sure that this other guy that's not as good. I, I only fight for two or three minutes so that I can have a bigger break wow. for that long match. It was brilliant. It was brilliantly done. He won that year.
0: Did you say there's a documentary? on Yeah,
1: him? they. Uh, how, I do don't you sp- know. how do you spell his name? Lel Leo, and then V-I-E-R-A. Okay. Yeah. And he... Um, the, I don't know if the documentary is aside from ADCC, but back then, like, you'd have to buy the box of the DVD sets. And I believe it was in one of the DVD sets they had, like, the with the press conferences and interviews. This was back in the day where, like, St. Pierre and Tito Ortiz and uh, Chuck Liddell were trying the ADCC and getting brutalized in it.
0: I, did, I didn't know that... Oh, yeah. yeah. That some of those guys
1: were doing that. Oh, yeah. You go back and you watch. You see some of these... Guys that fight in the UFC or fight in the UFC, go out there and try to win, and you just get demolished very quickly by some small Brazilian. Was it like 2005, 2010, or before that? Before before 2010, for sure. I okay. mean, I would say this was 2007, 5, 3, 1,
0: 99. Okay. I don't know about 97, but 99 maybe even. I think that's, that's a good spot for this one to end. Today we have a listener email that we're going to do. Where do you email us if you want to have your questions answered? That's a good question, Croiler. If you want to ask us a question, just jujitsu podcast at gmail.com. And you are? I am. Thank you. <laughs> I'm your host, Andrew Desimoni, with our host, Croiler Gracie. All right, thank you. There we go. Now everyone knows. Yeah, now we're good. All right, this email is from Scott. Scott starts it off. Dear Aries. So oh he's God. talking to you. I was listening to an old Grappling Dad's podcast. I feel like you just tuned him out as soon as I as I soon as I said that. I did. I say that, and then you just like start stretching. and <laughs> I think you're getting, you're starting to get your keys and yeah. <laughs> auto start your car. Uh, I, I was listening to an old Grappling Dad's podcast, and Corla had a pro tip on the feel of jujitsu, relating, and he has in parentheses relating to sweep and submission attempts. He cut it short, stating there was too much to type. And it would be better live. Well, now that this is much easier to accomplish, I think this would be a good episode. As a new blue belt, knowing what to look for would help with drilling and opportunities during live roles. Keep up the great work. I really enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate Scott. that. It's true. It's too, we, much sex. too much to type. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you for that one. We may do an episode on this. For now, what would you say to Man. dear Scott? So it's gonna sound horrible, especially hey, from now on when people email us. If you want to put your
1: zodiac sign, that's that's good too. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like uh, like Zombieland. Everybody's referenced by something different.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
1: no. So um, it's gonna sound horrible, especially because Scott doesn't know me, and this may seem weird if you don't know me or if you've never experienced it. Um, there are certain techniques that the f- the feel uh, like pulling them off is so perfect right it's perfect timing it just makes sense the 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 rhythm falls into place you get the proper tap or the proper choke or the sweep and it, it almost like it almost tastes good <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, and you think i'm weird with the comptroller stuff
1: oh yeah yeah uh-huh you know i'll start incorporating taste into it uh, all i'm saying is like there's there's certain things that you get and it's like like you can almost like like there's like there's a, this palpable yeah like yeah I, you know i got this perfect choke or this great sweep or this arm bar and there's like the the feeling is very like like it, it just feels right but beside the submission beside the win the feel is also important because sometimes a technique will feel clunky like you'll get a submission arm bar and you're like Yo, okay i got it but it's just I got it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And there's other times where it just feels right. And it's the it's the differencing between what caused one to feel clunky and one to feel smooth, looking for those differences and moving towards the smooth side of things versus the clunky side of things will lead to success, generally speaking.
0: There you go, Scott. You got your answer for Mr. Lazy Fingers over here because he didn't want to type that out. (laughs) Uh, Before we, we go today, we just do our. Quick little. Oh, I thought that was it. No, we we always st- end oh, with. God. I like to call it like an exit interview. Oh, an exit interview. Yeah, we're just gonna do finish this lyric. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a couple lyrics from famous songs. No oh, God. And you can you can see <laughs> just see if you finish them. You like to listen to music. Yeah, I know I that because whenever as yeah. soon as you hop in the car and head home, you're putting your Bluetooth Apple. Pod, what are they? Airpods. AirPod, because yeah. uh, you're fancy. You, oh put my in, you put in your Airpod <laughs> headphones and you're listening to music. A lot of times when I'm in the middle of talking to you and I'm thinking, that's rude. Um, I don't do that. I always take them off when I'm talking to people. <laughs> he teaches class with them sometimes. I don't. And, and he'll be that guy who he'll get a call and he'll touch him and go, yeah, go ahead. And we all just sit there and wait and he finishes his phone yeah, call. That's definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, first one. We'll start easy. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Desimoni. No, Jennifer Lopez. It's her 49th birthday today. God, come on. Uh, So you missed that one, then that was an easy one. (laughs) Uh, It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on... Rebecca Black. This was popular like six years ago. Do you remember this song?
1: No, Not no.
0: Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday is the answer. Oh, okay. I thought was It was, was like the easy. infamous song that everyone, I'm sure you'd remember it if you saw, heard it or if you saw the video. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Say it ain't so, I will not go. Turn the lights off, carry me home. Keep your head still, I'll be your. It's a Blink-182 song.
1: You know that. I was gonna say that sounds really Keep your familiar. Head
0: still. I'll be your thrill. Yeah, thrill. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. All it's right. okay.
1: See that one. That one I recognized.
0: I know. I, I know you. I know you like some Blink One Eighty Two. Okay. I'll give you. I'm not even gonna give you the clue on this one. If you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but <laughs> a
1: bottle ain't one of them. <laughs>
0: A bitch anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. I wasn't going to be
0: like. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's recorded. It's I'm live. S- I'm starting to. Wait. You say <laughs> bitch on here all the time and worse. How are you now like. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it if it's someone else's words. Only if it comes out of me. Right. 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 <laughs> <gasps> okay. Well we'll stop there because I'm starting to think you're not actually listening to music and you just don't want to talk to me when you do that (laughs) I I think that sorry Andrew music's loud I I, I can't hear you
1: yeah I think the problem is is like you're reading these to me you're not singing them to me Oh, so next time you want me to sing what Okay. I I don't know anybody wants you to sing but (laughs) it it sounded like you want me to sing I'm just saying it might help me like recall these a little better that
0: makes sense I'll do that the next time we play this I will sing it's gonna be bad but it i'm is gonna sing bad. yeah <laughs> don't worry the joke will be on me in that game yeah maybe i have to sit here and listen to it and so does everybody else <laughs> that's true i'll turn the volume down on that one like oh. very very low well that's it for this week folks that's episode 25 in the books well done yeah
1: yeah it's been, been been a lot of fun thanks for supporting
0: yeah thank you for listening um if you have any questions like we said email them in if you're ever in Elkhart, Indiana, come by Croyler Gracie Jiu Jitsu. We, we love to have new people. Like you said, Croiler said, we're fun, we're welcoming. We don't actually have a gift basket, so don't come in there and expect a gift yeah. basket. Dick. <laughs> I know I, uh, I, I may, maybe able to put something together like a roll of toilet paper and <laughs> some tape and some tape, but not, not like together new no. tape. It's cause no, it, that's yeah. valuable. We'll yeah. like grab some crumpled up tape. Yeah, Something that yeah. that's been coming off my belt. Yeah. I'm now back down to a one stripe blue belt because <laughs> my stripes just fell off recently. Yeah. That's, that's about it. Cro- Croiler. If you ever want to, if you guys want a awesome seminar, invite Croiler to come he finished up a bunch this summer you just have a brand new one coming up yep. in
1: october i have well i have one in august in grand rapids at black lion and then in october i have a seminar in dublin and then i'm teaching a camp in uh belly castle i believe that's what it's called
0: is that ireland, ireland also? yeah northern ireland yeah are you excited for that one i'm very excited for ireland first time in ireland first time in ireland damn yeah yeah Man, that's that's that'll be a fun one. Croiler is. Imagine if you think that you learn from this podcast. Imagine if you could actually see him and he could he could show you things visually. That would that would be even more helpful. And then I do seminars also. I'm a little bit more low key. It's usually I'll show up to a uh, like a local grocery store and like the produce section and i'll right. just start yelling at people different techniques and see yep. see how that goes see how they, they get it or not yeah i haven't made anything yet but you know artists controller. don't the controller yeah that's
1: right you need to start like working on that on the vhs release
0: it'd be tough though to get just a random stranger to let me demo that um yeah in a public place i'd be afraid <laughs> of, of the lawsuits yeah so that's it everyone thanks for listening and we will see you next week back.